0: Anybody who walks into my bar, I'm going to treat them the same way as I would treat you when you walked into the bar, because that person may be the next Robert, okay? So I want to build up my clientele as much as possible, and I always want to exceed their expectations. If you're a tourist, if you're, if you're from out of town, or whatever, I want them to say, you know what, we went to Sparks, we ate at the bar, and we had a great experience. And you know what next time they're in town they might be in for a week you may see them at least one or two times
1: all right i'm really excited about this show two of my great friends mike and ron the hospitality dudes An Australian and a Staten Islander walk into a bar, then what the hell happens? Okay, these two guys in my mind are the dynamic duo. I call them Mr. and Mr. Hospitality. You heard that right, Mr. and Mr. I've never ever met two more inspiring, friendly, and hospitable dudes that make me feel a million bucks every time I walk into the Sparks Steakhouse. They are true professionals that run the bar at Sparks. A New York institution opened in 1966. The joint has some surprising elements of why it's infamous and also why it's famous and also why the food's not always about steak. I can't imagine two better hospitality veterans to guide us through the history of New York, through 9-11, Sandy, the global financial crisis, and now COVID-19 pandemic. Here are I present my two favourite hospitality gents, Mike and Ron. All right, you two. This is a pretty... I've been looking forward to this show for like... I don't know how long. My business partner, Jason, is having like mofo. Is it mofo? Or no, FOMO. <laughs> I don't know what mofo is, but his fear of missing out. He was so upset that he couldn't be here with you guys. So Ron, Mike, you know, the first question I wanted to ask both of you before we get into the history of Utah. How many how, how many times has your wife begged you to go out and leave the house? I mean, was she really happy for you to come here today, Mike?
0: Yes. 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 In fact, before I left the house, she called me. She said, when are you leaving? Yeah. I said, I'm going to leave in a couple of minutes, go see the boys. (laughs) What about now? What about now? Well, now, yeah, you know what? It's, uh, I'm not used to being home. Yeah, yeah. You know, being in the restaurant business yourself, you know. I'm usually at Sparks 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. You know, I'm working nights. She works days. So, usually, I get up in the morning, see her for a cup of coffee. She goes to work, and, uh.
1: That's why how the whole relationship. you That's why you love each other because you didn't see each other very much. What, Thirty six years Tuesday <laughs> coming yeah. up. Wow!
2: And did you finish your
1: veranda? Apparently, you had to get that veranda done.
2: I got it all done.
1: This is a very classic conversation right <laughs> yeah. now. The wives want them out. They want yeah. the veranda done and get the fuck out of there. Well,
2: house. you know, I, I'm on the opposite end because my kids are young. Yeah. So my wife says, "You're not leaving me home with the kids, are you? <laughs> you're not so, leaving." So
1: obviously, you're an Australian. You're a Staten Island guy. You know Staten Island guy and Australian walking into a bar. you've been at you've been at Sparks for how long?
0: uh this uh, this would be my sixth complete year.
1: six complete yeah. and you two years two years so you know i i've said this before right so i walk into sparks i always love this idea maybe because you actually make me feel like eddie murphy kind of walking into an audience and i walk into that bar the place is jumping and it's jam-packed and i'm just like yep and you both are like mr hospitality mr hospitality get out of the way this guy's sitting down here and we have a little fun right so How's this city shaped your view on life, been working in Sparks? Have you seen something different from your past? So like, I'll ask you, Ron, first. So working in the bar there, yeah. does it make you love people more or less? Or what does it feel like?
2: Uh, it's, a, it's a classier spot than, you know, most other places and, and places that I'm used to, actually, because, mm-hmm. you know, what does an Aussie guy know about class <laughs> at all? <Yeah. laughs> we know a little bit.
0: he gets to work with me three days, a week, so
2: <laughs> it's okay. It's it, it's definitely upmarket, upscale, yeah. And um, I enjoy it. I mean, as a worker, you can put on many different hats. So if you're in a sports bar or or a, a downmarket environment, that's that's what you got to do, and that's what you how you behave. But I enjoy the classy approach and you know, the conversations that are lively sure. and, you know, somewhat intelligent, and... Uh, <laughs> Leave me out of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was gonna say, but then I get to speak to the bartender and it's yeah, not right, so right, intelligent right, right. anymore, so you stomped on my line.
0: Well, it's almost the same as what Ron was saying. You know, we have a great clientele. They come in from all over the country, yep. all over the world, yep. you know, and uh, it's a kick because um, people that come in on business, you'll see him, you'll see them probably once a month once yep. every six weeks and you know that you're doing the right thing because out of thousands of restaurants you could come to in Manhattan yeah you'll come into Sparks and look at the mayor of D and say I'm going to the bar. I'm gonna sit with Mike and Ron and you know it makes us feel good that they want to spend their evening with us
1: right and for the people that haven't been there there's a room mm-hmm. that seats about 5,000 or something like that. 15,000. Uh, uh, 15,000. Yeah,
0: 15, we have total capacity, I think, about 700.
1: Right. And I've yeah. been in there once yeah. when you were doing 700 and said, oh, I forgot to tell you, I want to be an eight. Uh, I don't no, think no, I did no. that, but no, I've no, never no. eaten in the dining room, always in the bar, right? And I don't think I've ever set foot in the dining room, which is, what's the manager's name again? Um, Abdul. Abdul. And he always screams at me. And as soon as he walks, he sees me walking in, doesn't quite know it's me. Then when I'm at the door, he looks at me, disappointed, he goes, ah, you don't want to sit in the dining room, do you?
0: Or, or, or he'll look at me and say. Why did you set up two spots at the bar for? I said, oh, uh, Rob is coming down yeah. with Jason. Yeah, exactly. Jason
1: being my business partner. And then, like, the place is an institution, 1966, right? And, like, as hospitality veterans, which you guys both are, we kind of, I was talking to a couple of bar people, and you don't just do bar work there, you're also serving food there. So, you, you're basically going to know how to do the whole cocktail program. And then you've also got to know the whole menu. And often I find it's kind of like chefs that can cook but can't add, and the other way around. And with bar people, they're great at drinks, but they're terrible at food, or the other way around, right? So that's a little bit of an art, plus that bar is a dispense bar for the entire restaurant. So now we're talking about two of you guys behind the bar, and you know, swap shifts and have other people there. You've got to know all the drinks, you've got to dispense to the bar, dispense to the 15,000 seats you've got, and you've got to serve the menu in there. Do you ever feel the crunch? Do you like-
0: Well, you know what it is, Ron and I, we feed off each other extremely well. Mm-hmm. If Ron sees that I'm getting extremely busy and he has a second just to goes get out away for from the service bar. <laughs> yeah. He'll come he'll come in and, and bail yeah. me out a little bit. Sure. And vice versa. You know, sometimes he'll be bailing me out. Right. All of a sudden the service bar will be busy, so I'll jump in. i said, let me go cover him over right. there. Right, right. So, so, no matter what. Relationship. Yeah, we, so, uh, we try we try so nobody suffers. The flaw doesn't suffer.
1: But this is a really interesting suffer. conversation for a younger generation mm-hmm. because we've been doing this for a long mm-hmm. time. And you know, we talked about this just before the interview was talking about the idea of reading signals, right? Reading reading people's faces mm-hmm. without saying something. And I always would walk in there and, you know, I would walk in and I'll have my 10 minutes of yabba and you've still got to do some work so I can't hold you up. And you've got to find that fine art between the client that knows they want to have a conversation but can't hold you at the bar for half an hour. And then, you know, for me, I might put my earphones in and call some workplaces and whatever, and you just magically know what I want. And it's not really magic; it's really perspective, you know, like perspective, right? So you always watch what I'm doing. You watch what I'm doing, and I see that with all the clients that go in there with you guys. You kind of have a sixth sense, right?
0: Yes and no. Yes, because a lot of our uh, our guests that do come in, we see them quite often. Right. Like, you know, like I know you, I know Jason, and stuff like that. So I know that you're going to have your martini after you have your martini, after you tell me to shake the shit out of it. Yeah. Okay. That means cold. And we fill, we'll fill it up to the top for you. You know that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Extra you know,
1: chilled. Extra chilled. Well, we know. We're we, we going we, we got to get to your martini in yeah. a second. Yeah. But okay. we'll talk, so we'll do the martini. And,
0: and then I know after that, you guys usually switch to maybe a Chardonnay, yeah. have a couple appetizers, have a nice bottle of Cabernet with your dinner. Yeah. And hopefully nice it's a enough. great bottle so I can have a glass. So and yeah. that's it. You know? yeah. Never oh, if I, it's
2: white. But I'm, I'm going to interject. <clears throat> a lot of this comes with experience. So you know as you work in the industry the industry is made up of repeat customers that's what really makes a place is bringing your customers back in right. my view my cell lights Gonna taste the same as the guy down the street. Sure, you know why do they come back? They come back because they feel warm and welcome, sure, and nice. Mine's of course going to taste much nicer. I don't than know mugs. why you're drinking I'm still light. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll no. talk about <laughs> that after that the was, show. Yeah, you know, <laughs> bad idea. Well, you're, you're
1: Australian. You're supposed to be running the flag with us. We don't <laughs> do light <like> beer.
2: <laughs> be that as it may, so that it comes with an experience. So in trying to solicitate, or, or. I don't want to say beguile, but trying to seduce a customer to come in again and again, sure. you make sure you pay attention to that customer the first few times they're in there, make them feel warm and welcome right. so that they know. Oh, and uh, the, the really cool customers, because you know we have good customers as, as well as, I sure. suppose, mediocre and, you know, I'm not going to say poor because we don't, but we have we, average yeah. ones, are the ones that understand that in the middle of a conversation, you might have to cut it off because you someone go else is something. coming in the door.
1: And you've got to pirouette out of that. You can't just go, hey, I'm busy and i got to go. You've got to be polite. That's why I'm not working behind the bar because I'd just be like, shut the fuck <laughs> up, all right? I've got to go but, do something. But
2: again, that, that's experience. And I don't know if you want to say art form. It's an art form. Well, part of the art form as well
0: is, you know, uh, Ron, he'll be there in the afternoon sometimes and he'll meet a great couple that came in. All of a sudden they'll say, right. oh, we live down the block. We just came over from another restaurant. We love being here. When I come in that day, Ron will give me the whole rundown. Right. You know, let me give me a heads up, saying, "Well, these people are really nice. They're ordering expensive bottles of wine. They're yep. eating good. They live down the block this way." You know, he'll bring me over, introduce me to them, so they yeah, know yeah. me. They'll know me as well, and I would do it to him as well. Just right. way, you know, we are trying. Like to, we in the
1: industry call it a handover, right? Like a it, proper handover. It's a
0: proper and, handover. Yeah. And that's how we have built up our business so well. You know, we have a we have a great bar business.
1: But you know, I had this discussion uh, with a couple of thirty-year-olds um, um, uh, recently, and I don't have a problem with thirty-year-olds. I'm really happy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not yet anyway. But, uh, but when,
2: when do you get to that stage, Let us you know. know. <laughs> no, but they were
1: talking to me about something, and they said yeah. to me, um, "You know, isn't everybody a VIP?" And I said, "Well, I said to be a VIP it has to be earned." Now, in most hospitality circles or most world circles, you think, "Well, if I'm." Eddie Murphy, for example, or I'm, you know, somebody famous, I'm going to get looked after. But what I was trying to explain to them, I said, in order for you to become a VIP in a restaurant, it's not about how much you spend, it's how often you frequent that place and how much you communicate with the team, right? So like, you know, to earn... get a seat at the bar when it's packed and get two seats at the bar has nothing to do with cash there's plenty of people rich in this city and i ain't one of them but it's coming back and and being polite to the staff obviously tipping well when service is great communicating whatever right so because i always find the idea of a vip is earning the respect of the team that's what i always feel like with you guys do you guys agree with that
0: well in a way but on on the other hand is anybody who walks into my bar yeah i'm going to treat them same way as I would treat you when you walked into the bar yeah because that person may be the next Robert yeah okay so I want to build up my clientele as much as possible and I always want to exceed their expectations if you're a tourist if you if you're from out of town or whatever I want them to say you know what we went to Sparks we ate at the bar yeah and we had a great experience right and you know what next time they're in town they might be in for a week you may see them at least one or two times.
2: Yeah, but that's how you build industry, right? Absolutely, and that's that's a repeat business that we were talking about of coming back.
1: So you you guys have been through some shit, all right? So let's talk about that. So I've got in a row. I know you necessarily weren't in Manhattan at the time, but we've got 9-11, Sandy, the global financial crisis, and now COVID-19. So you were both in the city. COVID what? COVID-19, yeah. What's, what's well, that? If this, hopefully this might come out in three or four weeks, this show, and hopefully this thing will be over. But we keep saying that, and that was yeah. seven months later, right? I can't imagine what's next, like a cat, a, a large cat with laser eyes walking through the city. I mean, who knows Godzilla. what's coming? Godzilla. So, so both of you were here 9-11? Yes. Right.
0: No, 9-11, I was in Brooklyn. You were and in Brooklyn?
1: Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Well, you were in New York, right. Mm-hmm. So um, what was the, I'll ask you, Ron, what was the energy like being in Australia? And you know our Prime Minister was stuck here yes. at 9-11. Yep. Um, what was it like and where were you?
2: I was in Manhattan. I was not in the restaurant industry. I was actually in the film industry. And uh, we were going to start shooting a film, I think, uh, on that Friday. Right. Because it was a Tuesday. And... Uh, it got canceled, and in fact, to this date, it has never been made. But Because you were a cameraman, right? I was a cameraman. So uh, that was uh, then in Manhattan, um, eerie quiet.
1: Were you living in Manhattan?
2: Yeah, I was li- yeah. living Upper West Side, 74th Street. Eerily quiet was very subdued, and I ended up volunteering down um, uh, down in, in the pit. And I was doing equipment and other menial jobs. Really? Doing, yeah. Wow. Because I was out of work. So I was yep. like, okay, I'm out of work. Let me help. Let me give back to the city that has supported oh, me. Holy shit, that's incredible. So that was, and I worked there from September, I think, 13 or 14 till January 1st. That was my last day. Wow. So I worked down there and I did have a part time job. Uh, doing uh, accounting bookkeeping uh, at the time and uh, they gave me a lot of leeway and it was amazing that you'd come from the pit at seven in the morning after doing an all-nighter and everybody was so polite and nice. Yeah. It only lasted about a week.
1: But, <laughs> humanity, but it was
2: great for that week on the subway. You know, someone say, "Here, yeah, let me let me swipe you through." Right, and you know, I, I've got I've got your token, or you know, right. and and no, you know, you're okay with this and. So people post, would give so, me seats it's like wow am i that old you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well they just heard your weird accent and they said oh we feel sorry yeah. for him. Yeah. but i think i could have saw my drawn out face so so the city afterwards i had a, a chat with david rabin um who's a famous bar guy and he was talking about what the nightlife was like after 9 11 because he actually said in our last interview that It was really weird because nobody wanted to go out and be seen celebrating nor celebrate because the country was going through what New York was going through. Everybody was feeling a pain across the world. Then we move forward and we're here now at Sandy. And I live down near the seaport I brought up a a few interviews ago. I just moved down seaport kind of financial district and they've got the barricades up there for the water. So so Sandy, where were you?
0: I was in Staten Island. I was managing a restaurant in Staten Island at the time. And uh, I was actually one of the people who got hit. We had seven feet of water in our basement.
1: Seven feet? Seven
0: feet, yeah. It, uh, my son lived there. My son was living down there with my daughter. Wow. And, um, and he, was trying to see, he was working down Wall Street. He was trying yep. to save his computer, his work clothes, and everything else. And I'm yelling at him, saying, Mike, you got to get out of there. You got to get out of there. The water is just building up, building up. Wow. And finally, the water built up at the basement door so much it blew the door off the hinges. Really? Where yeah. he was. Yeah, we got him out by then. He was out by then. He was safe. He was okay. Just that the water was literally up to his waist. Wow. While I was yelling at him, saying, Mike, you got to get out of here. You're going to get hurt. You know, whatever. You know, you get trapped down there. And when I saw that door blow off the basement hinges, I was like, oh my God. The best part was, well, I said the best part, is that um, it was 5 o'clock the next morning. We stayed in the house. 5 o'clock the next morning. I went to look outside and check out the damages. Yeah. And um, I walked down to where the basement area was. And there was no water down there really apparently the sewer traps in the house when the water receded must have caused a suction sucked all the water out the refrigerators were turned over yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. would have been a mess you can see the water line on on the top of the ceiling. because a lot of people
1: don't realize even me until i lived here how damaging that hurricane yeah, was, Tremendous, even in Manhattan. I think everybody saw the, because it's a lot of people then when they look from another part of the world, they kind of look at New York being Manhattan only and, and the other boroughs that took a lot of damage. And then down the financial district was flooded underwater yeah. and there were a bunch of people down there, I think, the Paris Cafe was under like three or four feet of water, a very famous place. Now we move forward, and we've got these idiots in the banks that you know caused a lot of trouble. One minute we're all partying; we've got nineteen houses we can't afford. Right, that's the reason. <laughs> that's the reason we've got that's nineteen exactly right. houses, right? We can't afford. We're spending our nine credit cards. We're like life's good, and these idiots. And then overnight, this whole thing—you know, Lehman obviously started the ripple effect. What did I'm, I'm curious to what did the restaurants look like? The minute that collapse started, not necessarily months later, but the minute that was announced. Because I remember I was sitting in a car in Australia with somebody, a friend of mine, and he lost his entire wealth that day um, that he'd retired and built. And I was going to lunch with him. And he just sat there and he just looked at me and he just went, meh. And we went to lunch and we got him drunk, of course. What was that like those three or four days after it? did they, where, where were you well, both?
0: I was back in Staten Island again. Yep. It was very somber, you know, because people lost a lot. You sure. Know? Uh, friends and family, right. lost their jobs, lost their uh, um, their savings, yep. you know, whatever they had, invested in the company themselves, especially if you were with Bear Stearns or Lehman yep. or whatever, you lost a lot. You know, it was sad, you felt bad for a lot of people that you work all your life for your retirement, and all of a sudden you're, up, you're 40 it's years old, gone. 45, and you starting all
1: over again. 100%, and yeah. where were you?
2: I was uh, actually um, just moving over to Jersey yep. um, from Manhattan. I was actually working in a sports bar, and uh, we had people walking in virtually daily, three or four yep. to have a job, and these were all Wall Street guys yep. who were looking for
1: anything. anything, mm.
2: And we had uh, nothing to give them, and I felt really bad because I know you know these Course. guys are well, can jump in in for a second? You're skilled people. Human let, beings. let me
0: jump in for a second. Well, every time there's a disaster that happens, yep everybody turns to the restaurant business. Unfortunately, <laughs> this time, now. we can't even turn to it for ourselves. Yeah, yeah it's, it's you really know, interesting. That, that's so, the sad part, that's you, a know, good point. you know, with, with all the, the restaurants that aren't gonna make it right now, which I feel terrible about, you know, people yep. open up restaurants, they throw their life savings into them, yep. all of a sudden, you have no place to turn.
1: Sure.
0: Okay, what I think is, you know, the small are gonna be gone, yep. and the big are gonna get bigger.
1: Yeah, because it was interesting as I brought this up the other day with a friend of mine. There's an old movie called Demolition Man. So if you're under 30, you probably haven't (laughs) seen it, but the rest of us had. It's a really bad Sylvester Stallone movie. I love him, but that movie's not great. And there's a scene in there and he's with uh, the actress Sandra Bullock, I think, in a car. And he comes out of a coma and and, and he says, are you serious? And she said, yes, every restaurant's a Taco Bell,
2: right? (laughs)
1: Which was kind of a metaphor to when I was talking about this to somebody recently, um, we were chatting about the idea that if all the corporations run the restaurants, That's actually what's going to happen at some point right now it's it sounds unnatural for people to say that to think that but if you us all being in this industry and know how slim the margins are how all of a sudden you can go from doing 700 for dinner to doing 200 for 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 dinner and then all of a sudden you you know have a full house to a half empty house based on a crisis and new york has had a stream of different you know crises whether it's a blizzard or it's a car bomb or it's a whatever and there's always been this incredible new york resilience that i love so very much about this city so the attitude afterwards, right now, and we're going to get into some fun stuff because we kind of went into the dark side of the moon for a second, only because I know there's a lot of people in the industry that are in pain right now. And I, I, you, know, you guys are always, we've just had a massive laugh when we came in here. You're always inspiring to me about this industry. What do you think is going to happen now?
0: i tell you the truth. I don't think the restaurant industry will ever be the same. Really? Yeah. Once you have to do your social distancing, uh, wear your mask and stuff like that, uh unless they come up with a vaccine that says all right you know what guys we could go out and party again look what's happening to the uk right now yeah they closed it down again yesterday
1: what do you think about this yeah. russian vaccine you think it's vodka
0: i think we should take it first <laughs> <laughs> How's that? well you know me i mean uh and
1: i like a vodka martini and my all my staff hate me because i don't have a gin in it so well, I'm, you know what they I'm say good. they say
0: that vitamin d helps you with, co- with the COVID 19. right you know? so you know throughout the whole summer i was drinking martinis and laying in the sun. See, this so, is a typical you know hospitality what? trait. That, that was, you know, I, I think I made it through okay.
1: Typical fucking hospitality trait. spruke alcohol is a solution to everything, right? So I, like, great so Look, what's his?
0: I, what? I think I even sent you a picture one day. You, on did, you did. You, you <laughs> did. You you
1: sent me these pictures, and I was like, and and I always, you know, because you have customer. You said you had a customer texting you about your famous martinis, right? And I'm like. You are known for your, both of you actually, but you were known for, A, because I I went from dirty gin martinis to like a vodka cold with lemon twist. And uh, I don't even like saying lemon twist because this sounds, you know, Shirley Temple. But you would always make me a really cold martini and you would say, and I would sit at the bar and somebody else would have one and you go, this is a lean over. And they'd look and they'd go, why? And I go, because you can't pick it up because you get it right to the top. And there's a real art to that because you... Actually fill it right to the top, but there's nothing left in the shaker. And it irritates the shit out of me that you never have anything left in the shaker. There's always perfect. And so during COVID, I had a Sparks night at home. I was like, I'll just pretend Mike's here and I'll get it. Oh, I don't have a shaker, right? So I went and got a shaker. And of course, being a restaurant guy, I get this heavy vintage glass thing. It was only 20 bucks. And I was like, I didn't realize that actually the heavier the shaker, the worse. I'm a terrible cocktail maker for the record. I might be a good chef, but terrible cocktail So I get this vintage glass shaker at home. I'm shaking the shit out of this thing. I make a martini. The first one half empty. The second one warm. The third one, <laughs> lit, shit comes out of the shake. I'm like, I'm, I'm tapped out. But that's your, that's your signature, right? Like a super, super, super uh, cold martini.
0: You know what? Super cold martini. The difference between leaving a lip on the top of a martini and filling, them up, filling it up is really nothing. Okay. This way you have nobody complains that you didn't fill up my drink. You know what? Lean over, take the first sip, and don't bother me. Well, but just remember, the
1: first time I met you, I remember going in there and I was like, oh, you know, I haven't had a drink for like a week. I'll have a couple of martinis in a normal restaurant. A couple of martinis, you're good to go. The problem you're not sort of mentioning is it's a four-ounce glass, (laughs) right? So I went in there and I was like, two martinis in. I was like, I'm fucking really a bit pissed already, you know? Like, what's your drink of choice?
2: To drink or to make? Both. Um, look, to drink I'm a gin and tonic, guys. But Which gin? Gin. Uh, actually, I like Boodle's gin. Oh, that's that's it's good not gin. It's not, not top of the line. No, I happen no. to like Boodle's gin. It's a very, very smooth, you know, slightly aromatic, not not too fruity, not too so heavy like you. gin. Yeah. Like, too, uh, not fruity, too fruity, but... aromatic. <laughs> <laughs> but what I did you put not, the
1: odour on today? What, what, it,
2: because this is only audio, I know, you I can't know, tell.
1: I know. For the audience, Mike's a red wine drinker, and that's it. And and but I ask you both, what's the drink that you absolutely fucking hate making?
2: That's a good question.
1: Because you know, sometimes lemon well, sh-
0: drop martini. Do you want sugar on it on the rim? Yes, I do.
1: Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> First swear word I've ever heard out of Mark's (laughs) (laughs) mouth. That doesn't bother me so much. I do like like making uh, the
2: old fashions that we make at Sparks. Yeah, but... I I never used to like doing it, but since Sparks, it's like...
0: We have it down to a science. Yeah. We do have it. You know, this is funny. Ron and I make fun of it all the time, or joke about it all the time. An average restaurant might make one or two old fashions in a night. Right. Okay? We made 50 one night. Yeah.
2: You know what? No, 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 no. I've got to correct you. One bartender made 50. Mike does only one. I told you that. Mike did 12. (laughs) I did about 16. I did 50. (laughs) Yeah, because you guys have got
1: a little battle going on that I found out about. Um, And so there's a bit of an argument going on. It's very hard to find anything that you guys argue about. You know, know, this is... Anyway, but apparently there's an argument about the bitters he used. Are we talking about the Augusto oh, bitters? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's got a bit of a beef with you about this.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, we have
0: all, you know, we've got our own thing going on. I like the
2: Patriots. Right. You know, he, I'm mean, i a classic guy. I'm, yeah. I like Angostura. Aristotle, We're yeah. talking
1: about the bitters that go in lots of drinks and, you know, for classic lemon, lime and bitters, but, you know, there's a tiny bit of alcohol in there. Now, so you
2: say lemon, lime and bitters, that's something that in America, Kind of so what what, what, what are
1: the main drinks that you put in? I don't know. I'm not a cocktail guy. know but a all but Right. Have you
2: have you heard of someone ordering lemon lime? You, you probably bit have. Of lemon years ago, so lemon. lemon. So lemon what, lime and bitters yeah. is basically club soda bitters, and then a little dash of rose's lime juice. Right. So and what bitters
1: it. do you actually have in there? We have bold. So do you compromised? Well, that's not even controversial for fuck's sake. No, no, you see
0: Ron's there when the guy's taking the order, right? Right. So so he'll order order his one time, he'll order mine one time, you know, whatever. We just have different preferences.
1: So that's a a nice way of working. It's actually quite romantic. (laughs) (laughs) Get a room, you guys. So, listen. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on.
2: (laughs) He likes the Yankees. I'm a Mets fan. So, you know. Ron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, so I'm, gonna, I'm with, I'm with Mike, man. Out, yeah. Obviously, my, Mike.
1: Por-
0: my partner over here likes pain.
1: Yeah, he does. He yeah, loves yeah, yeah.
2: Listen, I know, I'm a long-suffering Mets fan. I yeah, realize, you should be. You know, it's like mo-
1: almost, who in Australia would be like that? Richmond? I don't know. <laughs> the football team? is the Americans don't like it. So, you know, that makes not make sense. You're a Richmond fan, you're a Mets fan. I'm with the Yankees guy. I'm with him.
2: I'm the only Aussie Mets fan I know. You're the
1: only Mets fan I know. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Um, so funny thing is that a lot of people know Sparks uh, for its stake obviously. And it's been around 66, 1966, I think. And years. and you taught me very early on, A, that I should never over order. So you always just, base. I don't even think you take all my food orders because I usually go, <laughs> I want all this. And I just get what you think I should have because you're like, you don't need 18 clams, two steaks and some lamb chops. But you actually taught me that Sparks has got a little secret. It's not always about the steak. Lamb chops. Lamb chops. Mm.
0: Lamb chops. Are phenomenal, right? And, and I'm not an, a lamb eater myself.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm going by what the guests tell me. Yeah. Okay. And people say, oh, "How's your lamb?" And I, tell, I tell them the truth. They say, "Everybody who has a lamb over here says it's the best they ever had." Yeah. It's Colorado lamb. It's phenomenal. You get three double chop. Three. Yeah, which double you split for us. And, and, well, we're, we're butterflying for
2: you guys. You bottomfly
1: because yeah, yeah. we're you know we're yeah. feminine and and but you as an Aussie, do you agree with it? Because yeah, we love our lamb, lamb, right? The lamb
2: is excellent. Yeah. Um, don't go past the veal chop too. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't never been to Sparks, there's only two things you have to try. Yep. You know, the steak. Yep. One or the other. Yep. Right. And then if you've come several times and you've, you you know, enjoyed the sirloin and and, and, and the filet, then you go into the veal chop or the lamb chop
0: and we also probably have the best live lobster you've had but you also US you know yeah. what's really interesting
1: yeah. is that you got me onto the seafood yeah. there and i would end up making my way up to midtown to have the the, the you know you always have wild salmon which i'm a big wild fish guy yeah. i'm not a fan of farmed fish um but you know whether it's chili and sea bass or the wild salmon that i mean there's a lot to choose from it's really hard not to go there regularly so i kind of get all that so that so you know i'm going to ask this right so Sixty-six. What year was it? it was eighty. Nineteen eighty-five. You knew I was going to ask. I knew exactly mob, where you. were Mob. Going. Mob boss. It. I'm a Stan Islander. Okay. Castellano. Castellano. I, I wasn't okay. alive. All right. So for, for the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's That's such him, a lie. He's ducking
2: behind the bar. Yeah, again. You know, yeah. So if <laughs> you're, if you're what what listening,
1: first of all, Ron's lying. Second of all, nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> so don't let I'm this bad. bloody
2: <laughs> fool you. You know. Nineteen
1: eighty-five. Ron was. 46. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, mob boss Paul Castellano, um, he was in charge of the Gambino family? Correct. And he got he got shot out the front because he didn't pay his check? or He, <laughs> you know, I, I he, he complained tourist. about his steak? I,
0: I, I, when I mentioned the tourist, the first words, every time we have a tourist that walks into the restaurant, they said, you know what we're going to ask? I said, 1985. I said he tried to walk out on his bill and the boss caught him outside.
1: I saw something on social media a while back and there was a couple of dudes that were... Putting themselves where he was and having the car door open and doing digital social media out the front. <laughs> of sparks Midnight was, and lying on the was, ground. They,
0: they filmed a. Um the series, yeah. Billions. Right, you've had a lot of yeah. films. Yeah. You've had a lot
1: of films in there, um, and uh, w- w- you had Billions. You- who else?
0: Well, Billions is uh, they're one of the guys that they refilmed. Yep. Uh, yeah. <coughs> Paul but- Giamatti was laying in the street like Ron but- Did you just give
2: it uh, away on- that he got shot <laughs> <laughs> on the technicality? Because the filmmaker, they got the wrong door. Because in 1985, right, Sparks wasn't as big as it is now. Right. So it's the other access door that had the awning. Uh-huh. that was the
1: event you're being very anal about this I don't really think no, it matters just, either way I, he's dead you
2: know, I...
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think Mike just gave away some, one of the next series of billions because nobody knew that um, but we, we gave it out that's fine so <laughs> so Ron tells me Mike you've got two loves and I, one of them, neither of them are your wife and I've met your wife and she's incredible I have no idea why she loves you but um, she's a classic beautiful woman your car
0: my car I love Your my car. car you love, love your love car. car you're a,
1: a Mercedes aficionado and and the stock market
0: I love the stock market
1: what, what can you love about the stock market right now
0: I love the pain
1: <laughs> that's probably why you work in restaurants fuck
2: I can do the same with a hammer and a toe but right. you
0: know it's just you know what uh, since I work nights I have a lot of time on my hands during the day and since it's not pool season anymore what, are you, what do you do during the day oh, I watch the ticker go by I'm not a I'm not a What you call a a daily trader. I'm not a day trader. Right. You know, long term holes and different things. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I enjoy it.
1: I liked how you said earlier on you closed the pool. And he was like, he has a pool in his backyard. He's closed the pool officially in his backyard. (laughs) It's like as a sign comes up, you know, no more visitors, (laughs) the pool is shut. But one of your rituals, which I used to love, is you don't drink at work and then you have some dinner and then you get in your car, you drive home. It's a convertible, so you put the top down. So you're sort of, you're doing a bit of a Sinatra move or like a Tony Bennett on the way home, right? (laughs) You get home, you always pretend you're going to have a glass of wine. You walk down to the cellar, you say, and you come up with a bottle of wine and you go, I always finish it. And some is always, you seem happier and browner.
0: And you know, I'll tell you the truth. I'm always happy.
1: Right, you are. That's one of the that's one of the things i love about both of you when i come into the restaurant you put me in such a great mood and then i i always want to drag i dragged my guys in there a few times right Absolutely. and i'm like you just need to see what real hospitality people are always happy stop complaining about your millennial <laughs> lives shut the fuck up and look at these two guys right they're happy you
0: know what? i have to say one thing ron and i we don't bring our personal stuff to, to, to work yeah when I when I walk in, I know Ron's there. You know, it's like, oh, all right, we're gonna have a busy night tonight. But it's gonna go nice and smooth, and we might have a good time in between. Depends who shows up. If if you and Jason come down, we can, yep. you know, we have somebody to bullshit. Yep. We, if we're not too busy, obviously, yep. you know. But it's a, it's a nice feeling that you have guests that are in the restaurant and you enjoy having them there. Sure. And you have a partner you can count on, and, and you're having a good time. It's kind of
2: like Top Gun, right? The thing is, <laughs> who's goose? The, the customers <laughs>
0: actually feed off of.
2: Absolutely, hundred percent. Right.
0: You know what they see? They see the two guys behind the bar getting along so well. Everything's getting done. They, they're sort of getting into the conversation. You know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of it's fun.
1: It's a marriage. Yeah. I mean, no wonder your wives want you to go to work. Um, <laughs> what about you? What's your ritual when you get home? We know Ron goes home and pretends to drink a glass of wine, and sits by his pool with it, whether well, it's open, well, Mike, whether Mike it's does. open or closed. Mike does. What's your What's uh, your uh, ritual?
2: Uh, look, I, I got kids, young kids, family life. So. But they're uh, in bed by
1: the time you get home.
2: Mostly, yeah. So I, I, I rarely drink. I mean, COVID aside, whereas I've, I've picked up become a full fledged alcoholic si- six thousand <laughs> percent. But you know, um, no, I go home and and you know probably watch some Netflix or, or, or catch up on reading. Rarely.
1: So you just sort of wind down. Really I wind.
2: Calmly. I wind down. I also wind down on the way home. So that's already a kind of a... That's why you two guys
1: look really good. So you don't go to some dive bar and sit there till five in the morning and cry yourself to sleep? No. 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 Okay. So he has a beef with you. I do. No, he has a beef with you. Oh, Mike, okay. if you can't see, you're not watching this. Mike, have, Mike has a little beef with Ron. You have a beef with him about your, the bitters, the right? The bitters, oh yeah, right. yeah. Well, he has I a little a bit of beef. beef. He has a better one. He's like, so beef. anyway, I'm going to get this story wrong. But <laughs> apparently you in the middle of service one night was like, hey, I really need these dates off. And you, there's a one night of the year that every fucking tour hates with a passion. We hate working it. We hate doing it. It never makes money. We're busy. We work twice as hard. Valentine's Day. Right, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> right I know
1: and you asked for it you got him vulnerable because you were basically <laughs> played him like a violin you got him vulnerable it was busy you said I need these dates I off I did he didn't no, click classic.
0: Usually, usually no it's like three months in advance Mike i didn't right. need this date off and gonna, you can't you don't even know what date it is today no problem you know what yeah. I got your back don't worry yeah. about it I'll cover for you right <laughs> and then as we're getting closer to the week I'm like
2: this motherfucker. It's <laughs> I got 900 renovations. I'm missing a barter. Both years I've done it. just happens to be my I, anniversary. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So my wife and I got married. Bullshit!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the, for the people listening, Valentine's Night is basically two romantic people that probably don't even know each other. And they all come in and they basically... Take up a table where usually they're not usually drinking. They're not trying to have fun. They're awkward. Our staff have to work five times they, harder.
0: They only go out twice a year. They go yeah. twice Valentine's a year. Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve.
1: Mm-hmm. The tips are terrible for staff, and that's the nature of a business. You need know, to make tips to live, right? So you know anybody has Valentine's night, and we work twice as hard because they're all twos. So now we're going to do seven million people for dinner just to break even. So anyway, that's that beef. Oh, but I think also we could call Mother's it, Day. Right,
2: is a is a big day. So not, Mother's Day not night so day bad
1: because everybody kind of loves their mums right? But these kids, they go out. No know they knows who they are. They just met. they are at Valentine's. Let's call it a truce, right? <laughs> <laughs> You don't get Valentine's ah, okay. night off anymore, and let, you have both bitters.
0: Let's hope we're back by February because okay. we're working this year. Yeah, yeah, you better be working. <laughs> now you yeah. know what's going to happen. His wife is sending him the work. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> she doesn't yes, want. Sir. She'll be out so happy on her anniversary <laughs> on her own. She'll be like, "Thank God he's doing oh, a split yeah, shift." That's
2: great. I, I had him for seven months. Oh, Go yeah, to work. Yeah. Now, now I'll be sleeping on your couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you've had some. You, I remember one night I was in there. J Lo was coming out of there. Who's the famous people that've been in and out of Sparks? I mean, I know there's oh, the endless. But when you were both there.
0: Well, oh, that night they knew it was stream. Yeah, that was uh, J Lo and uh, A Rod came in that night.
1: What about you? Who else? Who have you looked after? Um, at Sparks
2: or in general? Sparks. Well, I looked after JLo's bodyguard, so I <laughs> 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 I, I usually, he's, he's trying I to find some pictures. P- I'm usually t- I usually take pictures. We had, so Billy, it Joel, me. we had Billy Joel on his 50. No, uh, his 75th birthday. We did 70, his party. Billy yeah. Joel, we did first, and He and did the
0: seven, concert sorry. at the garden that night, and they did the party by us afterwards. Do
1: you remember those days when? when all the, the musicians used to do that, they would have concerts and then they would come to a restaurant mm-hmm. after dinner. It feels like that tradition's kind of a little bit out of the wind If then, unless they're, they're old. You know, like I would look after Elton John in Australia a lot. He would have he would have Cristal um, in our cellar for every time he came and toured in Australia. And then he would come six nights in a row. And my brother's restaurant, The Latin, uh, which wasn't a Latin restaurant, it was an Italian restaurant in Melbourne. And he would come six nights in a row, Elton John, sit on table one on his own after his show and drink two bottles of champagne. Um, in the days when he was drinking, and you know, one by one, the tables would walk up to him and say it was a fantastic show. And, da, da, da. and I, I've looked after a lot of people, and I remember that, you know those traditions. They seem to have gone. They do a concert, they kind of go out and party. They don't necessarily go to dinner. Do you f- so who else has it been in there? J Lo, no, we haven't, haven't a- J Lo and his bodyguard. That's all we got from Ron Sha-
0: Shaq has been in. Uh, yep. Shaq is funny. He walked in one day. I'm watching him walk through the door. He's with his wife. Okay, he was actually bigger than the door. Yeah, he had to duck to walk in. The man is such a gentleman. He walked in, he says hello to everybody, the kids run up to him, they want to take pictures, sign autographs. The poor guy's trying to come in and have a great dinner. Yeah. Okay. But he didn't forget where he came from. Sure. And when you see stars like that walk in you say, well, you know what? I admire that guy.
1: And it's kind of interesting because people will kind of fig- figure when you're famous that you deserve it. And it's actually at some point, everybody has a rough day and they want to go to dinner and they kind of want to be alone. And you know, and so I take my hat off to people when they do that. There's a lot of people that are really well known that, that uh, you know they're kind of polite when they're in the restaurant, particularly in our industry, right? We see people and we don't, and our job is never to make a fuss and never to do anything and just to let them be normal people. It's like you know, famous people feeling normal and normal people feeling famous and getting that flip side, right? exactly right exactly so so what does it look like for the next few weeks for you guys
0: well you know what until
1: <laughs> un- until
0: Mr. de Blasio says we could serve inside and open the bars we don't know it's yep. everything's up in the air right now so you know as well as you know you know. Yep. so you know, yeah look yeah, we, for, floor, we,
2: for floor staff it's it's teetering <coughs> but for bar staff it's like same as it was the last six like months it,
0: here's the problem what I think it is you know even at 25% dining area Okay, do you have that many people in the city right now? Yeah. Um. I, I. As you know, I. I play the stock market. I watch CNBC all day long. Yep. You know, and um, uh, Tyler I'm worried Matheson. about. I'm worried
1: about Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He's looking like running out of money. You might. Yeah. Oh Jeff! Oh my
0: God! You know what? We're gonna have to yeah. do a fundraiser for him. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Fundraiser. We'll do a <laughs> little but charity, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, they're showing um Tyler Matheson says you know I'm gonna show you a picture of um Rockefeller Center. Right. Okay. This was last Tuesday, twelve o'clock in the afternoon. Two people.
1: Wow. There's nobody in the
0: city. Okay, yeah, wow. as of this Tuesday, um, thirty-five states are barred from coming into New York City. Wow. So you don't have you don't have tourists coming in, you don't have business people coming in. Yep. Okay. How much can no you? No federal de- aid. H- how much can you depend on your locals? You yep.
1: know what? They're not going to come in every single night. And especially when yeah. half of them are furloughed or they're earning three quarters right. of what they were doing. So, so exactly to right.
2: actually answer your questions you asked Mike before about how, how long and you you. Mike's was very bleak. I think, personally, that, you know, I I think it will recover. I don't know how long it'll be. You know, it won't be in the next twelve to eighteen months. I think months. it's going to be. I think it it's worth, like 1. five years before we fully recover. And I think when your statement says it'll never be the same, that is true to to well, the extent the of service and 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 staff. Well, sure.
0: here's one of my problems. One of, and. The corporate world. I have two sons that work in brokerage. Okay? They both work out of the house. Right. Okay? Now you always think that people working out of the house are gonna be doing less work. Mm. My son is on the computer two hours early than he's supposed to be. Sure. He's on two hours later than he's supposed to be. He's doing more work from at home. He's not traveling an hour each way. So the the Wall Street proved, proved something to themselves. Well, corporate America anyway. Sure. Corporate America proved you can work from at home, so now once everything gets back to normal, how many these businesses are going to be coming back into Manhattan?
1: It's a really good question because I was I was I, talking. I to agree with you one hundred percent by the yeah. way. It's a really good question because I was talking to some people about this, and and something says into me in the financial uh, industry that the people I know, there's something that always goes back to the corporations. You know, like if you're a let's use a big company, if you're Goldman Sachs and your rents four million bucks a year and your balance sheet shows ten billion in profit, your rents not your issue right? And so when you bring people back into the office, the reason you do it is because you can watch them and they're more productive because it's basically you're watching people walk the halls. So I'm not so sure that the financial district won't bring people back when it's legal because really your sons sound great. But how many people are sitting at home in their pajamas and really starting work half the, through the day because they're self-distracted? Everybody's locked in these tiny rooms, and it's New York City. You know, we didn't. No one came to New York City to live in, in this city because the uh, beautiful apartments that are 400 years old and leaky pipes. They came here because of the community and the sensibility.
0: Well, personally, I think it's nicer going back to work. You have to get out of the house. Right. You have to mingle around with the other people you work with, see them face to face. Sure. You know, I could talk to Ron a hundred times a day, but when I see him face to face, it's a different thing. I think this uh, is the
1: first time time You guys have seen each other, right? First time since, yeah. close, since the you, we closed since like, we,
0: we talk all the time. We talk to at least yeah. every other week. We, we touch yeah. base with each other, or whatever. How you doing? How's the family? The whole nine yards. Have you heard anything yet? No, I haven't. Heard <laughs> <them>. <laughs> so I'll ask you two
1: questions. I'll ask you both the same yeah. question, uh Mike. What would you tell your 20-year self right now?
0: Well, what would I tell what?
1: Your 20-year-old self.
0: My 20-year-old self. Do not get into the restaurant business.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I, I actually came into the restaurant business when I was um 19. But you, so this, you know, is, it, this is actually my uh, 40th year in the but restaurant i'll business. argue
1: the fact that you say that but at the same time you fucking love it
0: i do love it to a certain extent but here's our thing in the restaurant business and you know it as well as anybody else you work in the corporate america you're working 40 hours a week sure you're off on weekends okay you get paid vacation you get medical. you used to get medical benefits yep. and stuff yep. like that in the restaurant business our average week is 50 60 hours yeah so for every year you work you actually put the time in that everybody else worked a year and a half yeah, understood. Okay, you really, you really. So, what would you do?
1: You, what would, would, what, what industry would you have chosen if you know what you know now? You know what? Apart uh, from re- making masks.
0: <laughs> I do love Wall Street. <laughs> and, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I should. I started out many, many years ago. Yeah. My first job, that was uh, for Merrill Lynch. Wow. You know, wasn't the, the department that I enjoyed or whatever. Yep. So I ended up leaving to come into the restaurant business. Well, understood. to learn the business. Like sure, say. sure. I became, I, I became a bartender. You know, <laughs> but the sad part is, or the good part anyway. I made more than one night than I used to make in a whole week.
1: That's but this what, is that's what kept me in the but, restaurant business. But also surely the people that you make happy and they also show recognition to you. I know that with yeah. people that text you and all that kind yeah. of stuff. There's a lot more satisfaction in that because in the end, you know, you can have all the money in the world, but when what really is being rich is what you have, right?
0: I would agree with that. You know, you know it, because when it, people
1: say, are you rich? And I go, what What? What do you mean? What is your so definition of rich? Is your definition of rich? i got a whole bunch of shit that I, you know, in the right. end, like richness is what right. you do. And is that's that, is
0: that, is that how many toys you have.
1: And as you just said right. it before, right? So I, I would I would agree that you would say, you no, know, the hospitality industry, we all say that because we're all kind of beaten up. we got limps and we right. got bruises and bumps and everything from it. But in saying that, you also said, you're, ne- you're always happy. And you may not have been that way if you were walking the halls at Goldman Sachs. Yes,
0: you know what, that could be very, very true. I'd you know. probably have a lot more money.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, we all are in restaurants. You know, last, we- last, last call, what would you tell your 20 year old self?
2: That's, uh, look, there's two things, two jobs that I've had throughout the years that I've very much enjoyed. One is being on set. I yep. just love being on set. It was creative. I had to think. Um, you have to, you have to always worry about budgets and and, and and time. And I enjoyed it as a I really cameraman. Yep. It as a cameraman. Yeah. Yep. And you done like a lot of films, film. right?
1: You have done like what thirty films?
2: 30, 31 films, and it were film films when it was still sixteen and thirty five millimeters. Oh. Yeah. So just that creative aspect of tungsten light and daylight and mixing and filters and exposure and so what movement. would you tell your
1: twenty year old self?
2: Look, do that. I also enjoy bartending. I yep. really do. I enjoy meeting the people. I enjoy talking. I I like the novelty of meeting new and different people almost every night, and we do. Yeah, right. true. true, But I do take the point of you're always working when other people are enjoying themselves. It does take its toll when you're, you know. So you're not going to give yourself yours. any
1: advice other than to see what you did. Um, Sounds to me like other you're advice.
2: Content. Look, I enjoy both of them. So do what you enjoy. You don't have to work sure. a day in your life if you, if you love what you do. It's a fair call. And you so, both pretty
1: pretty much are, right? So, like, I, I ask myself that all the time. I just find other shit to get myself in trouble in the same industry, right? So every time I get bored of <laughs> cooking, I was like, you like hey, dish- I want to own a restaurant. Then I lose money. And I'm like, how about I not own a restaurant? But <laughs> I understand. Love, I'd love
2: to own my own place. Right. Sure, sure. You know, and to use that front of the house experience and, uh, you know, to a greater monetary gain. You guys are
1: absolute fucking legends. Thank you so much. That was a tight 45 because I know you're both parked outside and you've got to get the hell out of here. Thank you so much. I
2: can still talk for another 37 seconds. For sure.
1: That's it for this week, peeps. If you're enjoying the show, just go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts or whatever podcast player you listen to and ideally give us five-star rating if we deserve it, of course. It will help other people like you discover us. If you want to find out more on what we get up to or to suggest someone we should interview, let us know. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at The Raw Hospitality Show. The show is a Fabrica Collective production produced by Mark Fellows and Samantha Webb. Music by Jindal.